Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Thursday, October 3rd of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. It's time to elect a governor in Louisiana. We'll either re-elect John Bell Edwards or elect a new governor. Today, we'll wrap up our three-part series interviewing the three major candidates for governor. We'll visit with Baton Rouge businessman Eddie Rasponi coming up later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. 2019 has been a year of rain and flooding, both here in Louisiana and across much of the country. But that is quickly changing. Drought is setting in in many places, drying up all of that excess moisture produced earlier in the year. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says drought is affecting many areas and many commodities. Looking at some of the commodities that we track for commodities and drought, with some of the drought creeping into the southern and eastern Corn Belt as we headed into the late summer, corn and drought 8% on October 1st. That is up from 5% five weeks ago. Soybean drought coverage going from 4 to 9%, both on the strength of drought in the southeastern Corn Belt as well as in the Mid-South. If you look at broader areas, hay inventory and drought, 19% of the country by October 1st, up from 6% in late August. And cattle inventory and drought, more than doubling from 8 to 17% between August 27th and October 1st. Pasture conditions in the southeast are quickly deteriorating. Rippey says Virginia tops the list with 74% of its pastures in poor to very poor condition. And a large number of states also extending into the Midwest reporting at least 40% very poor to poor. That list includes Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia, and then extending southward through Tennessee, the Carolinas, Georgia, and Alabama. And our neighbor to the west is feeling it as well. Nearly half of Texas pastures are in poor condition. 49% as well as the southwest where Arizona leads at 52%. Here in Louisiana, 18% of our pastures are rated poor to very poor because of drought. U.S. chicken producers have significantly reduced the use of water, farmland, electricity, greenhouse gas emissions, and other valuable natural resources, according to a sustainability report released by the National Chicken Council. The organization says producing the same amount of chicken today as 1965 has 50% less impact on the environment. However, knowledge of the environmental impact of chicken among consumers is low. Only half of respondents to an NCC survey are moderately knowledgeable about chickens' impact on the environment and the strides that the industry has made. A recent conference in New Orleans highlighted USDA's efforts to implement farm-to-school programs in an effort to teach students more about agriculture. Gary Crawford takes a closer look. Let's go back to the year this song was a big hit. It was 1935. The U.S. population, about 120 million people. We had about 7 million farms, so about one farm for every 17 of us. Most Americans had some connection to a farm and to agriculture. However, fast forward to the present. We only have 2 million farms, but 320 million people, or one farm for every 160 of us. So so over the the years, years, our connection to agriculture agriculture has gradually become more distant, more and more distant, 
generation after generation, so that today most of us have no physical or intellectual connection with agriculture at all. Now, this may not seem like a problem, but with fewer and fewer lawmakers and policymakers with any background as to what farmers go through to produce our food, decisions can be made that create unintended problems for farmers. And this lack of connection with farms also can cause many kids and adults not to incorporate farm-fresh-raised fruits and vegetables into their diets. And so, to remedy all that, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has what is called the Farm to School Program to teach kids about the importance of learning where their food comes from, how it's developed. Deputy Undersecretary of Agriculture Brandon Lips, this is a program in which schools apply for grants to start farm-to-school programs. Brandon Lips is just back now from New Orleans where he spoke to the people who were awarded this year's grants. We have to develop generations of kids who know where their food comes from because they understand the importance of and the difficulty in agriculture. Uh, So they grow and appreciate the work farmers go through to bring us food. Maybe it's a little like gold. In this classic movie, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, an old prospector played by Walter Houston tries to explain to Humphrey Bogart... Why is gold worth some 20 bucks an ounce? I don't know. Gold, mister, is worth what it is because of the human labor that went into the finding and the getting of it. Uh, same with food, in a way. So kids in schools that have farm-to-school programs learn all about the labor and the science that goes into producing food. And while in New Orleans, Brandon Lips visited some schools that are running farm-to-school programs. We had a wonderful opportunity to sit down with a handful of those kids who talked about the new fruits and vegetables that they've learned to try. We try out different fruits and vegetables so we get the vote if we like it, love it, or try it. Each one of them talked about an interest in a science and specifically plant-created career when they grow up. I want to be a botanist. Botanist? I want to be a famous singer and also do gardening. Which shows the effect that farm to schools having at this age in their life, but beginning in them an inspiration to change their lives for the long term. Lips says maybe some of these kids will be farmers or scientists who will figure out how we're going to produce the 50 to 70 percent more food that will be needed by 2050 as the world population grows. Oh, and we thank our longtime USDA colleague Leslie Langster for providing some of the audio for this report. In Washington, Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The Louisiana Agriculture Hall of Distinction is now accepting nominations for its annual induction ceremony, which will be held on March 26th of 2020 in Baton Rouge. The nomination form can be obtained online at louisianaagriculturehallofdistinction.com or through any parish LSU Ag Center Extension office. The deadline for receiving nominations is November 22nd. The Hall of Distinction is a program of the Louisiana Radio Network, the LSU Ag Center, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, and the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. The program recognizes individuals who have a profound effect on Louisiana agriculture or agricultural enterprises. Nominees can represent any facet of agriculture or agriculture-related industries, including farming, ranching, aquaculture, fisheries, education, or agribusiness. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Remember, you can always check our website to stay up to date. It's voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. We update that every weekday with all the latest news and happenings right here in our state's agricultural industry. And while you're there, click on the button in the middle of the home page. It says click here for our daily news update. That will subscribe you to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. 
Fill out your name and email address, and we'll send the Daily Voice right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Now let's look at the markets on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We ended up slightly lower in the soybean market today, but the corn market moved slightly higher. Oliver Slope is with Blue Line Futures on the trading floor in Chicago. We saw the market uh, to get a nice, solid, strong run at the beginning of the week, and I think it's appropriate and healthy for the market to kind of come in here and catch its breath. We achieved a lot of the technical objectives in the grain markets. Looking at corn, we filled the gap at 392 and three quarters. So from that point, there's some technical resistance, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that. There's maybe a little bit of profit taking for buyers earlier in the week. On the support side of things, 380 to 383 is what we're looking at. This is previous resistance. Now becomes support. It's a Fibonacci retracement as well as a 50-day moving average. We can continue to be friendly corn over the long term. So if we were to pull back down here, I think this would be an excellent buying opportunity going forward. Obviously, a lot of attention is going to be on weather still. And also kind of what we're hearing is harvest starts to pick up. And right now, the theme is still very early, but the theme has been that a lot of it's just not there like a lot of people thought. So that could potentially spark an additional short covering rally. And we know the funds still have a pretty hefty net short position. Soybeans close slightly lower. November beans down to cents, 9.11 and three quarters. January beans down one and three quarters, 9.26. Corn closed slightly higher. December corn up one, 3.88 and three quarters. March corn up one at four dollars and three quarters of a cent. July wheat up a quarter penny, 5.06 and a quarter. The rice market has been under some pressure over the last few trading sessions. That's according to Mark Tall. He's a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association in Crowley. Well, the futures market seems to have taken a step back to levels we've seen back on August 29th. Short-term technicals, we're in oversold level, while prices rest just below the 40-day moving average. It all comes down to whether or not the U.S. crop will end up much shorter than anticipated over the next month or so. Cash market seems to have found an area where it's like trading, and it continues in today's market. We're really trading around 11.73 per hundred for 62.70 on long grain, and word out today that an out-of-state mill did come in and purchase some 12.04 per hundred prices. The rough rice market was unchanged. November rice steady at 11.71 and a half. January rice unchanged at 11.98 and a half. Cotton closed higher. December cotton up 27 points. 61.60. November sugar unchanged at 25.84. At Dominique's livestock market in Baton Rouge and Opelousas this week, two to three hundred pound steers brought a dollar ten to a dollar seventy a pound. Three to four weight steers a dollar five to a dollar sixty. Four to five hundred pounders brought a dollar to a dollar fifty a pound. Five to six weight steers ninety cents to a dollar thirty five with six to seven hundred pounders bringing eighty cents to a dollar thirty a pound. Slaughter cows range from twenty cents to fifty-four cents a pound. Slaughter bulls fifty-five to eighty-one cents. On the futures market, we saw higher prices. October live cattle up seventy-five cents, one oh six eighty. October feeder cattle up twenty-seven at one forty-two thirty-five. November feeders up forty-two, one forty-two ten. Early voting is underway this week, and the primary is just over a week away. It's time to vote for governor. We'll either re-elect John Bell Edwards or elect a new governor. Today, we wrap up our three-part series interviewing the three major candidates for governor. 
Today, we talk to Baton Rouge businessman Eddie Rasponi. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Today we hear from the third major candidate for governor, Baton Rouge businessman Eddie Rasponi. Our own Avery Davidson, host of the weekly television show This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, sat down with Mr. Rasponi to get to know him a little better and to hear some of his views on agriculture. Here's Avery Davidson with Eddie Rasponi. Mr. Rasponi, thank you so much for joining us here on This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me, Avery. I appreciate that. Well, you're running for governor. What made you decide to say, you know what, I've had a successful business, I've, I've gone forward with that, but now I want to step into the public arena? Yeah, I, let, me, let me start with this. I'll give you a little quick bio of myself, you know. I grew up in North Baton Rouge, where Standard Oil established themselves, and I think it's 1909. And so I grew up in a blue-collar family of nine in a 1,000-square-foot home, attic fan, one bathroom. At one point, there were six children in there, and I always tell people my mother was a saint. And my dad worked at Standard Oil, eventually became humble and all that. And he, uh, you know, so I knew at a very early age if I wanted spending money or transportation or to go to college, I'd have to have a job. So people say, well, how does someone with your station in life, in this stage in life, with 24 grandchildren, decide to run for governor. And what happens when John Bell got elected, you know, I, of course I was disappointed. But what happened is that in the first session, he, uh, he tried to cut the budget or defund the scholarship program that allows uh, low-income children to escape failing schools and go to a private school. And it just really uh, got to me. You know, it got bothered me a lot because I spent a lot of time trying to help children get educated. So God knew this was on my heart. And so it got to the point when I was around my children, I would feel, I don't want to say guilty, but I was not doing what God wanted me to do, help these children in a bigger way. And so I went back to my wife and explained that to her. And I asked her, I said, would you mind praying on that again? And she did. And she came back to me several weeks later. I don't remember it was five weeks, four weeks or whatever. And she said, okay, I'm in. I understand. I know what we have to do. And peace came over both of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell people when you, when you listen to God and you answer his request, you do have peace. Not that this is not easy. It is a challenge to do this, especially at this stage in life. But we're both at peace with it and we've committed to do what God wants us to do. And that's, that's to create a future for our children and grandchildren and all of our children and grandchildren in Louisiana. And we deserve that. They deserve that. You know, we should be number one in the South when it comes to jobs and opportunities. And opportunity is a big part of that. And uh, that's what we're here for, to you know, turn this state around. 
And really, uh, it boiled down to our faith is why we're in this race. And people ask me that all the time, and I tell them mm -hmm. that's the truth. I'm not afraid to say that, you know. It's not an ego trip. Mm -hmm. Believe me, it's not an ego trip. This is trying to do what he wants us to do. Tell me a little bit about your connections with agriculture. We were talking earlier about, you know, you do have some pretty close ties. You know, I would say this. Uh, my, my grandparents, well, are both sides, my mother and father's parents, were strawberry farmers in Tanspoe Parish, Amit, actually. And so my dad grew up doing that, with him and his brothers and sisters. My mother did the same thing. I mean, they worked out there. So we used to go and, and be a part of that. And I learned very early age how to pick strawberries and pack them and bring them to the rail station to send them up to Chicago. And, and then all the, the, the uh, I guess you call them the, the, uh, the fruits and stuff. I mean, the bell peppers and things would go to New Orleans most of the time. So my dad always had a garden, so I did those things as well. And I learned those things and work in a garden, follow my grandfather around with a mule and everything else. So it was, it's close to me. It's in our family, the farming side of it. And then just recently, uh, you know, I guess it's been about six years ago, I bought some property, timber property. And so I really have learned a lot about that part, that part of the agriculture and what it means and what it, you know, how you plan, you thin the forest and you, you have to mark the timber. I also learned that, you know, you don't make what you think you're going to make on the timber and the, and the product goes up and down and, and it takes a while. And we've also planted quite a few acres, maybe 100, 200, about 200 acres of soybeans and sometimes corn, you know, for self-consumption for, yeah. our, for our wild game. So I've learned about the planting and the, and the spraying and, and what it means to pay for the seed and the fertilizer and all the fuel. And you brought up about buying the feed, the seed, the fertilizer, those sorts of things. Currently, those are all exempt from uh, state sales. sales tax. We had a bunch of people looking at those ag exemptions uh, whenever there was a budget crisis in the yeah. state. What would you do as governor to help protect those ag exemptions? We'll, we will protect those. I, I, I was visiting with Brent Alon, mm -hmm. and he was one of the senators that stepped in there and said, guys, let me explain something to y'all. And so he's the one that kind of led that charge to get that off the, off the table to make sure we protect that got to keep us competitive. I mean, our farmers have to be competitors with the rest of the country as well. So we just, that's the way I look at everything. Louisiana is blessed with great natural resources. And so we have to do everything possible to keep us competitive with the rest of the country. And that's one reason why I want to have the limited constitution, well, the constitutional convention, is to make sure we're competitive. You know, rewrite it and make sure that we're competitive with the rest of the country. Let's talk about infrastructure and rural uh, roads, bridges, and broadband. What would you do as governor to, to shore up that rural infrastructure? Well, it, it's all infrastructure. It's really the whole infrastructure of Louisiana. The roads and bridges are in bad shape, and we have not prioritized it properly. And as governor, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to quit spending tax dollars, gasoline tax dollars, on salaries and benefits. We're going to put that back in the roads and bridges like we told the people would do. And so that comes to about 130 plus million dollars a year. And so with that dollars, you can parlay it with federal dollars and we could be looking at three to four hundred million a year right off the bat. Oh, I know a lot of us have been watching TV and seeing the ads and, you know, lots of, lots of political ads sometimes don't say the nicest things about people, but I want to make sure this interview ends on a positive note. What are a couple of positive things you could say about the other major, your opponents in this race? I would say this about both of them. This is John Bell Edwards and Congressman Abraham. Both of them are good family men. Both of them have been married to the same lady for a long time. Both of them are like me. They're married over their heads. We're very blessed. And so that's a big deal. They both love their families and they're, they're solid citizens when they come to their families.
Uh, obviously, uh, in, in John Bell's case, he is a totally different when it comes to policy. He is a tax and spend liberal career politician, as I call it. Government can fix everything. You just keep growing government, raising taxes. And so, uh, but I know that that's, that's sincere about him. That's just him. You know, he's a good family man, and, and uh, you have to respect that. Uh, he's also very personable as well, as you probably have already known. Uh, Congressman Abraham, obviously, is the same way. Good quality person, lives, you know, good family man, loves his family and grandchildren like I do. Uh, you know, he's been a hardworking person all his life as well, you know. I think he's more of a policy person than he is someone to step in and take over a $30 billion operation. And so I, I look at it that way. You know, I'm looking at one's policies and one's, you know, different policies and one has similar policies. But there's only one person here that started a business with three and has a, almost $4,400 million in revenues and really has the skill set to, to take on a $30 billion operation and turn it around. And then someone is not beholden to special interest that has the backbone to do something different, similar to what's happened with, with Donald Trump with the United States. You know, he just gets in there and makes things happen. And that's, that's why I'm in this race, you know, the future for Louisiana, for our children and grandchildren, so they'll stay here and be proud to call Louisiana home, you know. That's it. I mean, this, this is where it's happening right now. Well, Mr. Rasponi, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and uh, spend a little time and let our, our members get to know you. I appreciate you having me. I really do. You do well doing well here. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Avery Davidson, host of the weekly television show This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, for providing that interview for today's podcast. Well, that does wrap us up for this Thursday edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.